Amazing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am back from summer vacation! I'm back at home in Los Angeles, recording at my actual desk, and no longer in Colorado. The mountain studio, if you will. It's a folding table in a room full of bunk beds. Don't worry about it. And I'm very, very happy to be back, and not just because I can speak out loud without being unable to breathe from altitude. Oh my gosh, this podcast is so much easier to do in California. So much easier. I, even if I'm going to be in and out of town a lot in the coming months, which we will discuss at length before I go, but always with an aggressive level of safety at the top of mind, do not forget, I will remind. Now, this week, speaking of travel, we're all going to take a much-needed mental vacation to Aulani, a Disney resort and spa that I sadly have not been to in many, many years, but I'm really kind of enjoying pretending I'm at through the duration of this episode. We are back from a pretty short break, and that's kind of how it's going to be going forward. At the same time, with life returning to this vague mid-pandemic normal, the rest of 2021's episodes are, again, in flux. There's stuff I plan to report on that might not work as well now and stuff the vice versa. So be aware that there may be a random week off here and there in the coming months. But that's just because I want to be flexible given the seemingly never-ending pandemic we are currently still living through. I can't believe we've done this podcast for one whole year. One whole year! And things are still essentially kind of the way they were. It's it's too much, and I, I'm not going to talk about it on mic, but the big takeaway here is that you should save for a couple weeks off. Expect your podcast feed to be full of very amusing episodes for the rest of 2021, and I can't wait to bring them to you. I am really looking forward to bringing you a fresh batch of episodes of Theme Park Stories and Beyond. There is so much stuff we are working with right now, and I just hope you enjoy it. Again, it's really wild to kick off another chunk of these episodes and still be dealing with COVID safety and crowds and restrictions in the time of a raging pandemic, but we forge on with our storytelling. Because this week, we're easing our way into the cool waters of the very amusing lagoon with an all-Aulani spectacular. If I knew how to make fireworks noises, I'd put them in there. No, that that just sounds like an avalanche. Oh, well. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to be extremely blunt up top. I first pitched this episode idea a long, long time a long time ago, based on my extreme curiosity about how a two-hour-long Disney performance exclusive to one singular hotel even exists. We're talking nearly Broadway-length music, dancing, and entertainment weaved with cultural traditions and culinary offerings for a result that's nothing short of spectacular. I've seen it myself and was blown away, which is why I so desperately wanted to talk to the folks who created it. Now, many moons later, it's finally coming out just days after and truly in celebration of Aulani's 10th anniversary. And I find myself weirdly needing to clarify that this is not an episode meant to promote immediate travel to Hawaii. I've reined in the focus and reformatted the episode, but still feel kind of compelled to say that this is not at all brought to you by or sponsored by Aulani. I say that, which is weird to say, but I say that because the timelessness of this conversation is somewhat incongruent with what's happening in the region right now. It would be irresponsible of me not to mention that tourism to Hawaii right now is quite fraught. Just last week, Hawaii's governor urged tourists to not come. 
due to a surge in COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. And at the time of recording this, there are no bans on travel and strangely no increased requirements for traveling there. But either a vaccine or a negative test is still required to visit. There have been many shifting regulations lately, but as of recording this, luau's are still on. Disney's, as you can imagine, has changed its format, delivering individual portions of food, previously buffet style, to individual tables, previously shared, which are distanced both from each other and the performance on stage. I'll highlight specific changes later on in the episode as they come up, but from the top, just wanted to make sure you knew that the current version is hitting all the marks for COVID-era entertainment. It's entirely outdoors, distanced, and separated. And visiting Hawaii right now is a bit of a conversation. Small businesses and restaurants need to survive, COVID rates are rising, and tourism is booming. And it's a topic that I did not intend to wade into with my fandom of the luau. So please just know today we are discussing the luau because no matter when you see it, this year, next year, the year after that, in 40 years, it's going to be extraordinary. So yeah, we're all in on Alani this week, but in an evergreen way, a forever way, a mental vacation way, as is my main intention. As you'll soon learn, it's easy to look at photos of this property and see a lazy river, a character meet and greet, and Mickey Mouse in a Hawaiian t-shirt, but there is so much more going on below the surface, often quite literally. And this week, we're going to get into that. So stick around. We'll be right back with more after this break. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like, you kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their Ultraform bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Alani opened on Oahu on August 29, 2011. And for those who have not yet been in its first 10 years, allow me to somewhat poorly attempt to describe it in an audio format. Picture multiple tall hotel towers with a small main building in its center, all facing the water, arranged in a kind of semicircle with the action resting in the middle. Guests enter the Maka'ala lobby, which itself is packed with a surprising array of artwork. And from here, they can hit the gift shop, our one and only mention of Olumel, because that merchandise is sold here. But we love Olumel now. We love Olumel. We have changed our ways. Head downstairs to Makahiki, the character buffet restaurant, or proceed outdoors and partake in the Menahune Adventure Trail, an interactive game kind of like the ones on Disney Cruise Line, but in my opinion, way better. On paper, it's got everything a traditional family resort would. A massive spa, collections of pools, lazy river, kids activities, snorkeling, you name it. But that's where the similarities end and the absolute uniqueness of Alani begins. You see, what's so special about this place is that the theming here is not overtly Disney. So many hotels in Hawaii can become these homages to or characters of cliche bits of Hawaiian culture. And Alani, even as a resort owned by Disney, a company named for a man who revolutionized themed entertainment, went above and beyond to honor the land it was built on. When it opened, even the New York Times called it refreshingly free of kitsch, which feels like the antonym for how someone would describe me. (laughs) If you've ever heard me discuss Adventures by Disney, it's the same sort of concept. It's not Disney in the ways you're used to. Characters, soundtracks, princesses, Mickey Mouse, but in its core principles like storytelling and quality and blending education through entertainment. But what I didn't know before this episode, and somewhat until the property's decade benchmark a few days ago, is that this place is absolutely riddled with secret layers of references to Hawaii's people and culture and land. Many of which you'd never know about unless, well, someone who actually built this place told you. In fact, if you go to Joe Rohde's Instagram account right now, this week, you'll see loads of specific details in honor of its 10th. Keep in mind, after all, that Auntie's Beach House, the supervised kids center, drew inspiration from his own aunt's beach home. But don't take it from me or Joe. Take it from Jeanette Lomboy, Imagineering Site Portfolio Executive for Aulani, a Disney resort and spa. What I love about Hawaii is just, it's this interesting combination. Obviously, it's beautiful. It's stunning. There's no argument there. But I really love the Hawaiian culture. To me, it's just this layer of depth. And I feel like we have the opportunity, had the opportunity to showcase those stories and that culture in a way that Disney never really had done at that point, I'll say. Really, was just astounding for me and so awe-inspiring that we could do that and create the space that is above and beyond it being just a resort that people slept in, right? It's like a platform for storytelling. 
There is nowhere that sentiment rings more true than at Alani's Kava'aluo. I attended it a few years ago expecting Mickey Mouse to be the star of the show, as one would, but was so surprised to find instead the entire experience to be rooted in culture. I've been curious to chat about it ever since, and now, finally, in celebration of its 10th birthday, I was able to throw together this little podcast party with Jeanette, who you just heard from, and Nate Rhodes, who currently oversees the luau. Alani isn't one... I thought it would be when I first visited, and I'm sure plenty of you feel the same way, regardless of which side of it you're currently on. This is a pretty special place, with artwork that plays off essential Hawaiian values, a reverence for oral storytelling honored nightly at the Mo'olelo fire pit, and it's not just special because it's in Hawaii. It's special because it is Hawaii, and I can't wait for you to hear more about it. I could go on and on about the hotel itself and its special features, which... Okay, fine. <laughs> okay, I'll do one. Do you remember the Menehune Adventure Trail I mentioned earlier? I did it towards the end of my stay, and I was absolutely floored when I found out that a statue in the lobby, one I never considered served a dual purpose, was integral to the game, spinning out a kukui nut for me to keep once I accomplished a task. I couldn't believe that this little statue just gave me a present as part of a game, and I would have never known unless I played it. That's what this place is like. It's not a theme park, but it is not a normal hotel either. It's Disney in a different way, in a Hawaiian way. And it's luau exemplifies that. So without gabbing further and looking up rates for a 2022 vacation, which I'm very desperate to do right now, I give you Jeanette and Nate. Thank you both so much for being here on Very Amusing. I'm I'm thrilled and I would love if you could each just introduce yourself and describe what you do at the Walt Disney Company. Sure, I'll start. I'm Jeanette Lomboy. I am site portfolio executive for the Disneyland Resort Anawalani at Walt Disney Imagineering. That basically means I get the fun task of overseeing all of Imagineering's efforts at both sites. And Aulani is near and dear to me. I have been with Aulani since well before it opened, um, probably 12, 13 years now. And um, it's been just wonderful to watch it be born and to grow and to become what it is at 10. I'm Nate Rhodes. I'm fortunate to be the uh, banquet and events uh, services director here at the resort. And so I oversee all of the events and was so privileged to be on the opening team of the, the Kava'a Luau. So I've been here since the beginning, know the story in and out. And uh, it's just been such a pleasure to work with Jeanette and the rest of the team to really bring the stories of Hawaii to life um, and kind of tell it in our own way. Um, and so it's just great to be here and uh, great to be with Disney and Aulani specifically. I personally have been lucky enough to see the Kava'a Luau firsthand, which I think is beyond fabulous. But the reason I really wanted to talk about that luau specifically is because I think a lot of people, if they haven't been, would maybe jump to the conclusion that it's going to be this Disney-fied version of local culture, and it's really not. So for the both of you, I'd love if you could explain what a typical evening is like at Alani's luau. I want to say first, it was really important to us. Alani started as a kind of this platform for the native Hawaiian culture to sing, right? We were, we were a blank canvas and it was really important to us to make sure that the stories were of the place of the people. And that for the most part, Disney was just there to support those stories. 
And so the luau is no different, right? I think we took the same approach. We wanted to make sure that the stories were real and of place and about the Hawaiian culture and that were relevant and were in keeping with everything else at Aulani. And so I would say, and, and you know, Nate can get into specifics, but that's really the spirit of what we wanted this luau to be. We wanted to share that with our guests. We wanted them to feel the stories of the place and the entire night from start to finish is designed exactly in that way. So I'll hand that off to Nate because Nate, yeah. Nate knows all the lovely details that make that real. But that really was keeping it in mind. It was like, let's celebrate Aulani and all of the stories there, but let's make it into a luau, right? That guests can experience food and beverage and entertainment and a show in this really beautiful environment. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I, to Jeanette's point, we stay true to making sure that we tell the stories and represent the stories of Hawaii in the most authentic form that we, we possibly can. So throughout the resort, guests are going to enjoy a, a number of different activities, whether it be lay making, whether it be learning how to play the ukulele, whether it's listening to stories from uncle about stories of the past. And guests will get to enjoy that throughout the, the resort. So when they come to the luau, what we want to do is kind of add to that. We want to build on that. And so guests will be greeted when they, when they first come in. And then typically they will get to enjoy a number of different activities, whether it be lay making, uh, learning about the kappa or the kappa printing. Um, we also have floral crafts so they can learn how uh, the Hawaiians took uh, florals and, and made uh, a number of different uh, items that they use uh, during luau shows and, and the hula performances. Um, they'll get uh, even tattoos. They'll learn the ancient art of Hawaiian tattoo. So they'll get to enjoy a number of act activities. Those have been modified currently for COVID, but we can't wait uh, to the day we get to, to really bring that, those, those uh, activities back to life. Right after which we will start part of the show where we get to start to introduce the, the audience to Noah and his sister. And really Noah and his sister are telling the stories of the Eva Plain, which is where Aulani currently sits, where, where mostly traditional luau's will, will talk about the journey through the Pacific. There is just so much rich cultural history right here on the Eva Plain where Aulani is. And so we, we basically just allow Noah and his sister to tell stories that were passed down from their grandparents, their kapuna, uh, tell stories of ancient battles, about the foods, about the crafts. And so we get that part of the show started um, and uh, we, we introduce them to all of the family, all of the friends, and we really start to invite them in and welcome them in. Uh, and then it's really all about the feast. You know, the luau is all about the food and it's about the hula and it's about learning uh, a, lot, a lot of the ancient history. So with the food, we, we, we try to pull all the stops. So traditionally, guests will enjoy a, a feast of, of all of the island favorites like lomi lomi salad, our poke, fresh poke, island poke. We have macaroni salad with uh, taro. Um, then we go into some of our really, really uh, highly uh, favorite foods, which is teriyaki chicken. We have grilled mahi-mahi with a, a mac nut butter sauce. And uh, we even on a traditional day have an emu style pulled pork and a whole roasted, um, whole roasted prime rib as well. And then our desserts. I mean, we, we have a huge collection of desserts that guests can enjoy with all the fresh island flavors like lily koi and pineapple and all those good foods. After they've gotten enough, they're, they're filled with the food. We will actually, they'll actually learn how to do the aulani hula. So we'll get everybody up out of their chairs and we'll teach them the Aulani hula that they probably learned throughout the resort throughout the week. And uh, they have a great time. And then we typically have some friends who join us uh, during that time so they, could, they can do the hula as well. And then we finally go into the storyline, which is just probably about an hour worth of just great stories, drama, just laughter, 
music and fun. So that journey takes us from usually around three hours from start to finish. So as people <laughs> who are listening to this are probably thinking, uh, that's quite a quite an experience to put together. <laughs> um, Jeanette, I'd love if you could just walk me through the creative process of how something like this was built from scratch. We had fun. We always like doing things from scratch. You know, as Nate mentioned, typically, and we, we, we do our homework, right? We have always done our homework when it comes to doing anything at Avalani. It's really important to understand why we do things, to be respectful of place, we had a number of, we have our own in-house cultural advisor at Aulani, um, who is Hawaiian, that was super helpful as well, and really employed a local team here to say, how do we tell the right story in place, and how do we want to be different? And, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, to talk about where Aulani started, it felt appropriate to say, let's just start from scratch and say, what's the right thing to do for our luau at Aulani? And it, it felt like our perspective is so distinctly about place. It's about where we are. We are in the Eva district, right on the Eva Plains. We talk about that at Aulani. It's in every part of, of our architecture and our design. And even, you know, as Nate mentioned, it's part of our entertainment. It's part of um, even what our cast members say to our guests whenever they have, uh, you know, interactions with them. So much of it is about place. So that it felt that when we started a luau, we didn't want it to be sort of Polynesian generically in a perspective. We really wanted it to be about Hawaii. That's not to say that, you know, Tahiti is not represented there. Obviously, you know, Hawaiians have a long standing tradition. Many, many go, going way back, the ancient Hawaiians were ocean faring, right? They trailed across, the, they came across the ocean often and from Tahiti. And so we wanted to honor that. So you will see some of that. But the vast focus of the Luau was about being, you know, telling a story in place. And so again, we really focused in on the stories. We focused in on a, on a team that, that um, was from Hawaii, that had the Hawaiian perspective. And really, it was so unique. All of us were like, wow, how do we build this entire program distinctly about, about this place? And it turns out there are countless stories and there are countless songs. And there's many types of hula. We have hula kahiko, which is a traditional form of kahiko, as well as um, hula owana, right? right? which is um, more, more modern in its approach. And this fusion of things really built out this program. So together collectively, it was um, very focused on place of, from people of place with many of our Disney team integrated into that. Again, Disney is primarily just the canvas, right? We really like the culture to sing and be the paint. And together we created this, this luau that when we started, we didn't know how we were going to do it. Um, one of my favorite scenes actually is of the story of how Maui wrestles the son for his mother, Hina, to make sure her kappa goes dry. And it's a very distinct story that comes from Oahu and of, of this place. And it's very distinctive to um, where we are. And it's it's one, of one I think, one portion of the luau that everybody remembers. But, you know, we're the first to, to take um, using fire in that way to tell the story. And, and I think that was what makes us distinctly Disney in some ways. It's like, how do we think outside of the box and how do we create this perceptual framework in which these stories that are real and authentic to place can sing. And that's, I mean, it really wasn't. So when we opened this and, and, and we stood back and watched it, we're like, yes, we can tell a story about Hawaii. We can make a whole luau about Hawaii and it, and it can be a thing and it can be so appropriate to place. And that, that's really how these things came together because it, it was, Alani already had a heart, right? And this was sort of fleshing that out for our guests to experience those stories within one night, right? So um, great creative process, a great collaboration is always across the board. 
Um, and, and really, I have to say, I'm inspired. It, it's awe inspiring to see what people can do together, right? From a perspective coming from these places to create something that's never been done before. And I personally feel that it strikes a very good balance between kind of like being this Hawaiian offering, but still honoring a, a Disney touch. How challenging can it be? be to strike that balance, to make sure that you're definitely offering a specifically Disney experience, but it maintains its authenticity. I always say, and, and we we started at the beginning with this, right? It's like, okay, how can we be Disney and Hawaii? And for me, it comes down to three things, right? You know, if you look at the Hawaiian culture, so much of their culture is about ohana, family, right? And it's also about mo'olelo or, or storytelling or stories. And there's also a subtle layer of magic that permeates the culture. And Disney is all of those things. We are family storytelling and magic. And if you are, if you are sharing these aspects, it's very easy for us to still be Disney in Hawaii. It's still, it's, it's very easy for us to find the magical touches that make sense. So instead of Mickey and Minnie hosting, they're guests and on vacation alongside the rest of our guests. So of course, Mickey and Minnie make an appearance at the Luau, and it's very endearing when they do. It's real good. It's real good. It's real good. Right? You know, all, <laughs> all the cakey come out, right? The families, they all, all of our guests come out, and it's a really fun moment. But you can be that. Of course, Disney can be there, right? They're just not the ones that are hosting, right? They're on vacation with our guests. I think there's these subtle differences where you can say, let's be thoughtful about what this means. We can still be Disney, and we can still be in Hawaii, and we can still be this best possible blank canvas that I talk about, right? Where the Hawaiian culture is really the star. I think there's no question when our guests walk through the resort and they walk through Aulani that they're staying with Disney because the level of storytelling is there, right? The level of detail richness is there. It's no question. It's a hotel. It's a 15 story resort, right? That people are going to and there's a beautiful beach and that it's true. We are in Hawaii, but what really makes it special is that we're showcasing these stories in a real way. And the level of detail that we go to do that is very distinctly Disney. And then, of course, our cast members who are of place, right, share that magic and that aloha, right, which is also shared with Disney as well. So we can be these things and it can still very much be Hawaii first and foremost, but still be Disney, right, um, kind of at the root and the foundation of, of what Aulani is. So it's a tricky balance for sure, but I think we found a way there to do it. Nate, I assume you've seen Kava'alua more than the regular person. <laughs> I would <laughs> um, say so. What about it is most special to you? Or is there any segment for you that is your favorite? I would tell you out of the show, my favorite part is when um, uh, the stories are, are fantastic. The food is great. When Mickey and Minnie makes an appearance after the kids, the keiki, have learned how to do the hula. Um, and you see their faces light up and they, they kind of run for the stage. Uh, they run towards the stage and they, they want to embrace Mickey and Minnie. It's probably my favorite part of the show. Um, I have a few favorite scenes, but honestly, it's that. It's to see that Disney magic come to life and come alive. I would say that shortly thereafter when the show starts and uh, the guests are introduced to the mighty navigator, Tupaia, and they tell the story of how they, they journeyed through uh, journey through uh, to come to the Ever Plains, um, and you learn, uh, you start to be introduced to the stories that they're going to learn for that night. The first couple scenes where we're trying to really captivate the audience and draw them in, and you can you look at the faces and you look how engaged they are. And after the number is done, how how excited that they are! But they actually they're learning about the Hawaiian culture, so they're part of our ohana. But now they're really, really, really starting to learn. Um, the history behind uh, this area 
around the resort and particularly the Hawaiian culture. So when I see those faces, both from the kids and adults alike, those, that's really, I know it sounds cliche. That's really is what, what moves me and what keeps me every show seeming fresh. Cause I, I've seen it. I not only see it that night, but I see it in my dreams. Uh, so I relive the show a number of times, but every time I see the guests and their reaction to these things, it, it makes, it makes it special for me. And because we are recording this almost around the 10th anniversary of Alani, I'd just love to know personally for each of you, what has this journey been like? Because 10 years ago, this was a, a pretty radical and interesting concept. And now that it's just become one of the many Disney offerings, you know, someone like me who, who wasn't really covering Disney when it opened, it it's just always been there, but there was a time when it was not. So I'd love to kind of know for each of you what, what it was like for you when you began working at the property. Well, I have, I'm very humbled and have the distinct honor of having been with Aulani well before we opened um, and, and, and was part of the design, many Imagineers that went into designing Aulani and constructing it and seeing it come to life. And so I, anytime I talk about this, of course, I can't help but get emotional because this was a passion project. As, as you have mentioned, of course, we had not done anything like this before. We had never endeavored to tell a story in place at this scale um, that was so true to the culture. And so it was work and a challenge to do that, but it was inspiring. And all of us were behind that mission statement. So to see it come to life, and I still remember opening day, I remember you know, the construction workers got a preview with their families and they got to come through and what that was like to know that they could share, you know, what they had built with their own hands come to life and it had never been seen anywhere before in Hawaii. Like it was, it was a theory once, right? Like, I think we can do this, right? How do you create a 15 story hotel tower that tells stories about Hawaii and every bit of our choice, whether it be from the railing design to the wall covering design, to the flooring design, to the, all of that was meant to be the perceptual coat hooks in which people heard stories, saw them and were engaged in the Hawaiian culture. We'd never tried to do that before. So when we opened, I mean, I, we were all in awe of what we had done together, right? It's not one person, it's many. And, and, a, and a, I can't tell you, we couldn't have done it without the Hawaiian um, the Hawaiians or the the local community, right? It was really just a collaborative effort to make that happen. As I sit here at our 10 years, I again am so humbled to understand that we have grown and um, so many guests have come through our doors, my own children, in fact, who are, I, I time them out in the height of them based on, um, you know, when they born, were born relative to when we opened. And that's, that's what Aulani has become for so many people. It's personal. It isn't just a resort or a hotel. It's part of our identity. It's a part of who we are as an Ohana. And so it is humbling to see that, to see that it isn't just a hotel and it, and it, and it more so now than ever, that it is a, it's part of people's memories, but it's also a place in which people have learned about the Hawaiian culture. We've been able to promote that. And then to think about where we're going to be in the next 10, or the, it's like sky's the limit. So it has been deeply, um, deeply personal and personally rewarding. And I have to say, I'm completely fine. If this is the one thing in my career this is the career highlight for me, I am I'm completely okay with that because Aulani is a special project and, and um, that, I don't think it'll ever be replaced for me personally. I would say for me, you know, I, I listened to Jeanette and uh, it must have been an exciting time to be on the original design of the resort and, you know, really getting the doors open and welcoming our first guest. I, I started sometime later, uh, but I felt it. I felt that, that, that authenticity when I walked through the hotel. I felt everything that I heard Aulani was um, and was about. 
And I felt a responsibility to, to keep it going, to keep it alive, to keep the stories moving. And uh, it, it, it was exceptionally uh, humbling to be on a project and get to work with, you know, the local uh, entertainment company we have here that are that's steeped in, 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 the, in Hawaiian history. And to really, like Jeanette said, really learn the stories and learn what our role is and responsibility is in telling that story as genuinely as possible. And uh, I, I, we took that very seriously and to be on the creative end and to give our input um, while uh, engaging with them on the creative side. Um, and then really taking a look at the guest experience and seeing how could we elevate our luau activity over, you know, any other show that's, you know, produced here in the islands. And uh, with that responsibility and that creativity, it, when, when we put it all together and we actually had our first uh, luau show, it was just an incredible experience. And so when you see that, all we like to do here at Alani is double down on that. Find more stories to tell, find new activities for guests to enjoy, find new ways of ensuring that when the guests leave here, it wasn't just a vacation, but it was somehow an educational experience, even if you didn't realize it until you went home. So if that's what I have to do when I come to work every day is come up with uh, those ideas and figure out ways to, to get the guests even more engaged and create magic for them. Uh, it's not a bad day in the office. And I think that's what really drives all of us, whether we be leaders or our cast members. I think that uh, that's, that's our responsibility and we take it seriously, but it is so fulfilling to see it come, come to life. Even after 10 years, we're still creating uh, new products and it's just, it's just great. Given that some people listening have never experienced that Alani magic firsthand, uh, what are one or two things that they should maybe know about the resort that they might not be privy to? One or two? I have to link to one or two. Okay. Well, first if you can, my- if you can, yeah. I mean, we'll take 40, whatever <laughs> works. out of the way. You will not catch it all the first time. And I don't expect you to catch it all the fifth time, right? I will say one of the things that we really wanted to do was in honoring the Hawaiian culture and the richness and the depth of it was to really reflect that in both the design of the resort, its features, as well as in the programming that we put in. And that was on purpose because you know, every, I say this all the time. The more I learn about the Hawaiian culture, the more I learn that I know nothing about the Hawaiian culture. It's like this rabbit hole of depthness and richness. And so it was kind of fun to say, how many layers of detail can we pack into Aulani, right? And so some of my favorite things, like I always get asked this question, how many menehune are hidden throughout Aulani? Now, menehune are um, the, they're, they're like, they're not mythical in my opinion, but some people think they're mythical, but they're mythical people and they are of Hawaii. And so they are hidden. We have our own version of Menahune at Aulani and they're hidden all over the place. And, and there are wooden Menahune, there are stone Menahune. I get asked this question all the time. How many are there? I'm like, they're real. I don't know how many there are, but I would say keep an eye out for them because they, you know, kids and adults alike have a really fun time finding them, whether they're in elevators or underneath furniture or hidden behind a palm tree or some other place. There is a subtle layer of magic, I will say, that is um, very Disney in a way, um, you know, you might think of it like pixie dust, right? But, you know, this magic that exists in the Hawaiian culture also is very Disney. And so you'll find layers, these subtle layers of pixie dust and light scattered throughout Aulani in places and times that you don't see it. So one of my favorite features is, of course, you might see what's called the compass row sitting in the middle of the lobby and it orients every guest that walks through Aulani towards where the ocean is, right? where the mountains are, so Malkin Makai, as well as what's the female and male, um, you know, areas of the resort. And this little compass rose will every once in a while light up, right, in a, in a really beautiful star-like way. But that kind of sparkle exists throughout the resort and is hidden in places that you may not ever see or don't know because 
we really decided to design Aulani as a place that was discovered, not all given to you at the same time. We wanted you to build on your experience with Hawaiian culture. And we have many guests that come back year after year, sometimes multiple times a year. And we didn't want them to experience the same thing over and over again. It is a place that was designed not for one visit, but for a lifetime. And that's how I always say it. And every time you come, it's a different experience. Nate is there every day and he has a different experience every day. Yeah, absolutely. But, but, but that's really how we did it in mine. And I, and, I, and, I, and I can promise you, you will not. I mean, there's all these little hidden things. Like if you sit outside of Auntie's Beach House, if at the right exact time, you may think that there is a hula practitioner sitting there that like you see a shadow of her in light and all of a sudden she starts to dance, right? And I, I'm telling you, these, these, this is one of the things I love about Aulani is it's not overt. It is not in your face. It's subtle. It's magical in a way that, did that just happen? Is that a real thing? And it's, it's, it's to honor the way we, the, the, that the Hawaiians were. Things were definitely magical in a way that make you believe in it, right? And that we wanted to honor that at Alani. So magic is definitely all throughout. So that's my five out of the five million. I'm sure Nate's got a few. <laughs> Oddly enough, I had to do babysitting duty yesterday. Um, and I have some friends visiting and they, they're staying at Aulani and they were having a fantastic time. And so I wanted to give them a chance to, to go off and have some dinner uh, alone. And I had the two keiki uh, and I, get, I, I did the Minihuni Trail with them. Now, I can tell you, I've been at this resort almost eight years and I'm, I'm ashamed to say that this is the first time I did the Minihuni Trail, which is, is shameful. I'm not mad at you. There's just, you. there's just so much other, there's so much to see. So, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've passed through a number of areas at the resort and I never knew that there was something magical waiting behind the rock or that there was a sound, there was a, a sound coming from here or the implementation of the drums could, you know, start playing just from pressing a button on, on, a, on an iPad. Uh, so I, last, and I got to watch the kids and their faces light up and how they were ready to go to the next place and ready to let Auntie uh, uh, help them find another place. And to see how things light up and to see how water shoots out of the, 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 uh, the, the, the pool features, it was, it, it, like, it was like day one for me again. So I think like Jeanette says, we can walk, we can even walk past things every day for years and years and years. And this one time um, we stop and we hear a subtle sound or we see a subtle movement and we realize that's a thing, you know, that's in, uniquely on its own. And to watch the kids, how they were just so engaged and, and lit up yesterday. Uh, it was awesome. Plus it took a, a good hour and a half of time uh, for, of me trying to figure out what else to get them involved, uh, get them into. So I, I would, I would echo what she said and say, you could be here for years and it's still like it's day one. You're still finding uh, new things around the resort. So that was my favorite. Are you fully going to be sneaking off from work to go complete uh, no. the other yeah, day? I know exactly. I am. <laughs> Nate, you and I, I, I need to speak when I'm at Alani on site. We're going to go do something. I know, I know. Yeah. I you need so to block bad. out like a two-hour meeting. I know, just... I know. Like, how have you not done that? Okay, sorry. I'm not the guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's great. I, I'm, you know, on one hand, I, I know about the Minihuni Trail and I can explain it to a guest. On one hand, I'm kind of excited that it happened that way because, again, uh, seven or eight years in to really discover the resort all over again in a brand new way and appreciate what, what, I, what was in front of me but like Jeanette says, it's not in your face. I think it's just great because I can come back next year or I can go do another activity next year. And it's like, I never knew that existed. And it's like a whole new experience all over again. 
Truly, what a perfect example that I'm sure you've seen people doing that activity around and you've seen yeah. them at the different stations, but Absolutely. to do it firsthand and to realize that there's all of these secrets laying underneath that you're there all the time and you Absolutely. didn't even see them is, is fascinating. I can't even imagine the Herculean effort it took to put so many surprises across the resort, but I, I mean, how do you even design for that many layers? Well, we were challenged by it. I mean, that was the fun part, right? Which is to say, and I'll tell you, we were, um, so for another thing that I really love about Olani, if we, this is another one. So we have embedded into our, all of our rock formations, shapes of animals that are subtly carved. And we did this on purpose, right? It was like, you know, there, you know, Hawaiians look at land masses and, and see animals or figures of people or whatnot. And there's a lot of story behind that. It's really meaningful and rich. And we wanted to do the same thing at Olani. So all of our rock formations, right? Um, have have you know these animals that get revealed maybe at certain times of the day like you may not even notice that something looks like a humpback whale until a water spout comes out right and so you know to us it was this wonderful challenge to say by the way the walt disney company supported us in this right typically when we do anything it's what's the most beautiful wondrous amazing magical impossible thing let's go do that at Alani, it was what is right and appropriate first and then everything else can follow so that was our criteria when we got the freedom and the license to do that, it was like the sky was the limit. And so it wasn't, hey, here's this rock formation that we're going to build water slides around and have the guys that carve that. Here's five things. It was like, no, sky's the limit. As you guys are forming and shaping, put it in. I cannot even tell you how many creatures are embedded into our rock formations because the, the team that was carving it was carving it while they were going. Because And that really was a change in mindset, sort of philosophically to say, we don't need to be so structured. It's really about believing in and doing our homework and bringing those things to life. So I promise you, this is layers and layers. I mean, we've cited only five or six examples, but it is it is fun to do things that we've never done before, but it's even more fun to do things when it honors a people, it honors a place, and it honors stories that have not been told. It honors these things that are so important and meaningful, right? And that, that fueled us with passion, us Imagineers in a way that I have personally never seen before. And I, and I, I'm one of them, right? Every, every, and I was starting to, I, I joke about this, but it's true. Like there's one thing there's a, in our Pico, which is the spiritual center of Aulani. If you're out there, you know, nine o'clock at night and on, you'll hear the story of Kamakila Campbell. And she is a, she is um, that she's tied to roots to place. This is her ancestral homelands. And she passed away, you know, years ago, but she tells stories of Hawaii. And I literally kid you not in the middle of the night, one night I slept, I like sat straight up and out of nowhere in my sleep said, Kamakila Campbell must live in the Pico. And that is how her voice lives in the middle of the Pico, which is our spiritual center because it's her ancestral lands. I mean, I, I, we, we all have stories like this, right? Even how the Pohaku, which is the, the, the stone of the rock that's at the center of the Pico and how it came to be. It's like, this is, this is real. This is the thing that happens when you all believe. And so, you know, we talk about, Imagineers are always famously said, you know, we like to do impossible things. We make the impossible possible. And for us, this was taking impossibility to a whole different level, which is the realness of it and, and believing in it. And that's, so I can't tell you how the process went. We just believed and we made it happen. <laughs> and we did a lot of homework along the way and had a lot of help, a lot of help. It's it's just unbelievable to juxtapose building something like this and creating the luau and everything against theme park experiences, which are also so rooted in story and so incredible. But to do this in a place and have it be tied to the exact place it's located in is is really something. I think personally, my biggest takeaway from Kava'a is that 
I would say generally American theme park fans are used to everything being in English, very used to it. And both the Luau and the resort as a whole embraces the Hawaiian language. I mean, the Luau's name itself, I believe, comes from the Hawaiian word for canoe. And at Olani, there's the, I think I'm saying this right, Olelo Room. Olelo Room, yeah. Olelo Room, uh, which for anyone who has not yet been, it's a lounge that is really inspired by and tied to the Hawaiian language. And I, I just am so curious how... How important is it that to both of you that the Hawaii is really honored at this property throughout the entire experience right down to to its name that it isn't just you know like like you tie it to Hawaii but it's English like truly language wise there is a, a bit of a language barrier how does that drive the authenticity Well I will say to you naming in particular is very 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 important to Hawaiians and so if you start with the name of um our proper uh, our resort, Aulani, right? That was a gift from a Hawaiian cultural advisor who had dreamed of that name. And that is the appropriate way to do it. It's not like picking it out of a dictionary, right? Like, so um, language is, is for the Hawaiians is telling stories. It's, it's, it's who they are. It's, and so to not celebrate that, to not put that at the center of what Aulani is and to be true to place would have been missing the point, right? Like you had to have the language there. So you mentioned Olelo Room, right? Everything in that, in that place is labeled and it's labeled with its Hawaiian associated word, the chairs, the tables. There are a number of carvings on the back wall that are carved objects that people would recognize in whatever language they speak, but it, it, they're labeled with the Hawaiian word that goes with it. Um, many of our cast members um, behind the bar there speak Olala Hawaii and are, and are native. And, and that's on purpose. The point is to have dialogue, right? Because to have conversations. And by the way, most people know Aloha. Most people know Mahalo. That's a, that's a branching off point to say, let's, let's talk about that. But how, to not celebrate the language right? And to not celebrate that is missing the point. The other thing I will say, and this is true for Kava'a as well, um, a lot of it is in, in Olelo Hawaii or the Hawaiian language. But even when we were talking about music for Aulani, you know, we took some of our fa- most beloved Disney songs, right? So like, It's a Small World or, you know, a number of these songs, and we actually translated them into Hawaiian and had them performed by Hawaiians and local musicians. And that that's, that's the music you hear. A lot of it you hear at Alani and people really love it. And it was on purpose. It's like, you know the song, you know the words, it's a small world. So why not just hear it in Hawaiian as well, right? I mean, why not do that? Or When You Wish or a number of countless other songs that people know. But it is missing the point not to celebrate the language. Um, and, that, and that is at the heart and core of, of stories and storytelling and our cast that work there and place, right? And I think, you know, it's true for the luau as well. What's so special about Aulani is that the guests can, it, can be totally immersed in this Hawaiian culture. They can feel like they're a part of Ohana, uh, an Ohana. They can learn and they can do all these things without realizing they are actually learning them. So uh, one person might say, oh, that seems like it's so much and um, so challenging if you don't speak the language. The guests are totally, when they step foot through the doors of Aulani, they're totally immersed in this, this whole culture. And they're learning and they're, they're, they're touching and they're feeling and they're, they're sharing and they're learning how to do the hula. So by the time they, they depart Aulani, they would have learned a life, a life, life's worth of uh, uh, things about Hawaii and about who, who they are, uh, about who Hawaii is and about the culture without really knowing it. And that's what's so special. So no one will walk away feeling like this was just 
too much or I didn't understand or this was just, you know, too out of reach. They are totally immersed in it. And, and that's what's really exciting. Kava'a really kind of is kind of like the, the final period on that. I think when, when we take, again, all the activities that you're learning throughout the resort, the foods of Hawaii, the, the stories and the legends, and you bring it all together into one activity and guests can, if they learn how to play the ukulele in a different part of the hotel or heard uncle tell his stories uh, over by the fire pit, when they come to the luau, we're basically taking all of that and we're bringing it all together so that guests can see how does it look all in one piece. And I think that's what's really exciting about the luau. And when, when the guests leave, they, they know, they feel, they feel the difference. And so when they come back, like Jeanette says, it's just building on it. They're learning a little bit more and a little bit more. And you'll never learn nearly enough uh, to, to be an expert in Hawaiian culture, but uh, it, it's just such a great start and, and we love to bring those stories to life. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carly, this is Maggie. I love your podcast, and I am calling because I'm going to Disneyland for the second time. The first time was when I was 12, and now I'm 30, and it's going to be in December. So I wanted to know what I should expect for Disneyland around the holidays. I know with the pandemic, it's probably a little bit different, but any insight into my trip would be super helpful. Thanks so much. Bye. Hi, Maggie. How exciting. Oh, my gosh. A holiday time visit. 
going to be great. Now, I'm just going to preface this all by saying that Disneyland has not yet made their announcements about its wintertime celebrations. Knowing my luck, they will announce it the moment I lock this episode, so I'm going to keep everything very loosey-goosey. Things may have been updated since I recorded this, so stay tuned to the Disneyland website and to my social media for any updates. Now, because of that, I am not going to opine on any entertainment, special festive parades, shows, projection displays, fireworks. I have no idea what is in store for 2021. But if things do go forward, the parade is the most legit. You gotta see it if they have it. Now, rides have themes. And holiday time. Haunted Mansion Holiday is fully rethemed top to bottom with an overlay to the Nightmare Before Christmas, which lasts from Halloween time through the Christmas time season. And It's a Small World becomes its own holiday affair, which I thoroughly enjoy, especially as someone who does not celebrate Christmas. It's a Small World, like, truly turns it out in a way you wouldn't expect. If you are not a fan of Small World, don't skip it just because you're not a fan. This is basically an entirely new celebratory attraction. That can't be missed. We don't know yet what's going to happen beyond Haunted Mansion Holiday, which is a go. So I'm hoping for all of these. But over at DCA in recent years, they've also themed Mater's Jingle Jamboree and Luigi's Joy to the World, which I would not miss the latter. I love that attraction in its regular time and during Christmas time. So don't miss that if they're doing that either. Something you may not be privy to since you haven't been in a while are homemade candy canes. It's this whole thing at Disneyland Resort that I didn't know about until I lived here, but it's a cold favorite among locals during the holiday season. They essentially make these homemade candy canes. There are a very limited amount of them, and they're quite tough to get. You have to get a wristband. It's a whole thing. They didn't have them last year, but I would kind of be surprised if they didn't bring them back this year. The parks are open again. It's like a very iconic food thing for people in the area. So keep an ear out. Probably I would recommend to my friend Heather, who goes by at Dining and Disney on Instagram and to Disney Food Blog, who will absolutely keep you updated on that front. I know that they are usually on top of it with candy canes because that's... (laughs) That's the Disney community, people, people who are on their candy cane news. Now, Disney also usually does this festival of holidays and this Viva Navidad celebration at DCA, which is really great because they celebrate multiple holidays within the season and also offer extremely good food. There's always such good food as part of the celebration. And I know as a Jewish person, I'm supposed to be mostly excited about the music. There's usually some sort of Jewish group that plays. No, I am all about the food. It is a must. If you are all interested in an Epcot food festival, this specifically is one you need to keep an eye out for when they have it at DCA. Last but not least, kind of like holiday adjacent, bring a layer, bring a layer, bring a layer. It can get so cold in California in December, especially at night. So do not forget, wear a jacket, pack a sweater, just plan ahead for being chilly once the sun goes down, which kind of makes it, you know, more festive. Hope that's helpful and have such a wonderful trip. Hi, Carly. It's Alex from New York. I love your podcast. So now that the Hall of Presidents is open, someone pointed out to me how much the Trump animatronic resembles Hillary. Um, once I saw it, I cannot unsee it. Is Do they purposely do this? Do they do this for all the animatronics? This keeps me up at night. Thank you. Bye. Uh, so while I want to go with a hefty no comment, I, I 
do I should address this. So I too have heard all of the rumors and with my own with my own peepers have seen the resemblance of the Donald Trump audio animatronic within the Hall of Presidents attraction at Magic Kingdom and how it kind of sort of looks like Hillary Clinton. Truth is, I have no idea either way. I choose to believe the rumor because I think it's funny. But in reality, the only fact I have to point to is that these AAs take about a year to get up in the show. The Donald Trump one debuted, I believe, in December 2017. He was elected president in November 2016. And the Joe Biden one, I believe, went up earlier this month, if I still have a mental grasp on time, which is almost a year from November 2020. So, I mean, it's if they... Oh, if they had pre-made it, I assume it would have been up faster. Who knows? Because at the Biden one, they would have had to not build one. I don't know. I don't know. But if you haven't looked at the Donald Trump audio animatronic, I recommend you do so this segment makes sense. Otherwise, I sadly have no intel. But if anybody wants to slide into my DMs, send an anonymous email to let me know. I'm all ears, baby. I'm all ears. Hi, Carly. This is Taryn, a Canadian listener. I just want to bring to your attention an advertisement campaign by, I think it's like the Egg Farmers of Canada, but they have a whole set of commercials that are all about eggs as a snack aren't weird, you're weird, and I just think you would love it. So if you YouTube that slogan, I'm sure you'll find some wonderful videos showcasing that the egg vending machine outside of Epcot isn't weird, and the people that think it's weird, they're the weird ones. Thanks. Great podcast. Love listening. Bye. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to be on the right side of history, this one. Standing with my brothers and sisters in arms. My eggy people! Also, just gotta say, I pulled up the commercials. This is incredible. Thank you forever for telling me about this. It is from a YouTube channel called Get Cracking. And the woman in it kind of looks like she could be a clone of me. That's all I'm gonna say. We're gonna start with eggs for a snack isn't Weird, even though that is the wrong phrasing of that. I believe it would be eggs for a snack aren't weird because eggs would be referring to multiple eggs. Already off to a rocky start, but let's see. Eggs for a snack? Yeah, they're quick. That's weird. It's not weird. You're weird. You never ask for help. Eggs for a snack isn't weird. You're weird for thinking it's weird. Okay, first reaction, I am shocked that the style of commercial is like, you know, like silly ad agency food commercials where it's like a Butterfinger commercial, but like everything's in this weird world. In this commercial, it's a guy eating an egg sitting on a couch as they're uh, moving out of a home. And the person saying that eggs are weird is carrying a couch and the other person is like sitting on it. So it's kind of like, how is he carrying that couch? You might have to, I'll put a link in the show notes. You, you you gotta see this. I stand with this ad campaign. I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed. Pretty impressed that there's a series of commercials that just say eating eggs is not weird. Because I don't think it's weird. Granted, there are no videos specific to a vending machine egg, but I stand by it. All these people are in their homes, though. They are in their homes eating their snack eggs. But either way, you got you, you gotta, you gotta support an Epcot vending machine egg, and I will take that to my eggy grave. Thank you so very much for bringing this to my attention. Uh, Brooke, I hope you're listening and reeling over this news. (laughs) 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. so much for listening and thank you so much to Jeanette Lomboy and Nate Rhodes for coming on our show and kind of making vacation dreams come true. If you're, oh, I don't know, looking for a fun vacation, you can jet right over to Apple Podcasts, where you can rate, review, and follow, subscribe. Very amusing. I don't know if it's follow or subscribe. They changed it. It's a teeny tiny little arrow. It's very confusing. But if you can figure it out, I am greatly appreciative. A very special thanks to... Lady Elizabeth, Secret Weapon 84, Nick Tiger 73, Chelsea Jouette, Julia, 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 that's one person, not three Julias, don't worry, Sea Girl, and Tree Level for your wonderful ratings and reviews. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can have your own theme park questions, complaints, and comments addressed by calling 747 Churros and leaving us a voicemail. If you have not called the Churros hotline because you are a little nervous about leaving a message and it's sounding bad and wanting to call back, redo it again but then you think oh no there'll be two messages and that'll look like too much do not worry have the next week be an opportunity to give it a shot i've gotten many calls where there are multiple calls because someone wanted to rephrase what they said or there was a noise in the background and i always only listen to the final call there's a little transcription where i can read like oh no disregard the other one so don't worry no one's gonna listen to it only the good one why not try something new and call in with a question that's been burning inside of you for months i want to hear it you can follow me on social media at Carly Wiesel on Twitter and on Instagram. And I have a Facebook group called The Fomily that's a good time, especially in pumpkin spice latte season or whatever that weird apple drink is that Starbucks came out with. I very strongly believe in waiting until it is the harvest season to have a pumpkin latte, so I have not indulged yet, but there is plenty of fun conversation happening around that in my Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel, I believe. I'm like 99.9% sure. It just, you'll get there. It'll get, it'll get you there. It'll get you there. Very Amusing is edited indubitably by Jeff Fox, who just went on vacation. Amazing. He is, <laughs> I've never, in the past year of working with him, I've never heard of a day Jeff has ever taken off. But he went to the Salt Flats for land speed races. I didn't know what that was. And I, I Googled it and it looks like straight out of a Star Wars film. Incredible. We stand Jeff Fox's choice in vacations. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. Malcolm Gladwell, how did you get him? I am so impressed. It was such a fun episode. I was having the best time. 
I didn't know he redid the Little Mermaid, but it sounds really good and changing it up a little bit. Um, I like the quote that he said that young girls don't have to give up their voice. That really hit home with me. I really like that. I had a really good time listening, and I am really, really, really going to miss you for the next five weeks. This is crazy. No, no very amusing podcast. I don't know what to do with myself. I feel like I got laid off of work. <laughs> Hurry back, honey. I love you. Bye.